With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On November the 2nd of 2017, and this is the best day of this date you will ever see in your life. And this is from Coolidge, Arizona. And it's perfect weather here. <clears throat> we are in the book of Revelation. We are in lesson three on chapter 21. And we are looking at verses 15 to 22 tonight. That's our objective. Some introductory thoughts, as usual. What we are getting in chapter 21 and 22 is this, this represents to us today not the Mosaic Age, but the ideal, which is referred to as the Age of Faith. We are living in the Age of Faith, the highest level for mankind is to be in the situation of faith. And it begins in Acts chapter 14, verse 27, where, <clears throat> where it is said how he had opened. Well, let's go back to verse 27. When they had arrived and gathered and had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and, now this is the important part here, and how he, he, God, had opened a door of faith, the capacity for them to have faith in what God had said about things they could not see. That's what faith is. He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, folks, we have closed the door of faith as Gentiles and gone into the age of seeking certainty. And that isn't right. Now, let's go over to Romans chapter 5. Now, we're introducing our text for tonight by these opening comments. And remember, I begin with the underlying ideas that really are the key to where we want to go. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified, and we might add through faith, so that places us into the right perspective about faith, folks. We have been, they have been, the Romans have been justified through faith. And 
or and in this case out of faith so that's that's even a better rendition here um, <clears throat> so there, therefore th uh, out of faith <clears throat> faith is the basis here <clears throat> therefore out of faith so faith is the capacity that every human being has by the gift of God we are born with a capacity for faith and notice we go on to read I will come back to that but through whom also we have obtained our introduction and notice what the Greek word is here <clears throat> by faith we have let me see now I'm, I'm trying to get it uh, by awful access, we have the faith, not by, but there is an article there, into grace. So <clears throat> our process into the house, the, the building of grace, is through that capacity of faith that we have as a gift of God. And I want to say this now, that the book of Revelation is in symbolic language. We know that by now. It means that there are anchors within each context that we can latch on to that give us a basis for those symbols as regarding time or extent but everything represents something. The ideas are expressed through visions to John's spirit. Why? So that when now we emerge to chapters 21 and 22, we have expanded through what he has already done in chapters 4 through 20, he has expanded our capacity to see what he sees through faith. That's why we have all of that foundation material presented to us. Well, one of the reasons why we have all of that foundation material given to us in symbolism, and we mess it up because we keep trying to insert certainty into it, rather than the figure that is representing. And he has done so to increase our capacity to see what God has in mind for us through what he has given to John. And so when we get into chapters 21 and 22, he is giving us the, the ideal of his dream as it really is now. And the only way that we can grasp it is through our capacity for faith. Faith, then, is the process through which we come into the grace of God. The faith is the standard that God has given to us by how we do that. So one is subjective faith, one is objective faith. Real faith, our faith, when our faith is real, 
it connects us to what God has made, but what we cannot see. Now, did that sink in? Most of what God, most of what um, we think about of what God has made, we can see. But that which was the object of Abraham was that which he could not see, but is realized in us today, who have it presented to us as being there for us to be a part of, but yet we cannot see it. And here's why. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse eighteen. While we look not at the things which are seen. Now do you or don't you? You slither right through that verse. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now here's why. He's talking about people who live in faith. By the way, this is not spiritual. Spiritual has an air about it, which is, it means that it's mystical. The law was spiritual. So we don't want to use that term because it really means nothing. It's an empty word. It just means breath-filled. Full of hot air. Full of hot air. And we, we ought not use words that way. The word is used a few times as an adjective, but it never expresses God's dream. It's the situation of faith that's the theme of the Bible. And that situation of faith was by promise. Now you understand why the law was put in and added to the promise to bring in the Messiah so that what we are reading about in chapter 21 can be realized. And we have to come at it through the eyes of faith and see it through John's eyes. We look at, <coughs> we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen <coughs> are really nice to look at, but they're what? Temporal. <coughs> but they are temporal. But the things which are not seen, so we like to focus on the, you know, we, we want all, we want a new city built in Jerusalem. We want a new kingdom. We want something that we can see. But the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. And what we have presented to us in chapters, chapter 21 so far is that the bride of Christ, the church, comes down out of heaven and exists and permeates the earth. We can become a part of it, and when we are a part of it, we are a part of that which is eternal, and we are in the resurrected life. I want to make a clear statement that the Scriptures, and you might go to Ephesians 1, 10, and 11, the Scriptures make no legal distinction between the saints on this side of eternity 
and those who have crossed over to the other side. So what we have presented in chapters 21 and 22 is the summation of that which is eternal. The scriptures do not make a distinction, a legal distinction, between the saints on this side of eternity and those that have crossed over to the other side. With a view, in, this is in Ephesians 1, 10 and 11, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ. Folks, that's what he's expressing to us in Revelation 21 and 22, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Notice, they're the same thing. Everything has been summed up in Christ. That's clear. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10. Chapter chapter 11, and first of all, verse 10. <clears throat> Let's just get a little bit of history here um, about Abraham. Now, verse 10. For he was looking, as, as, as um, Abraham went out, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You see that? That's the, that's the city that has come down out of heaven in chapter 21, the verses that we've already discussed. This is the city. He's describing it for us in verses 15 through 22 today. Now let's go to verse 39 and 40, because unless we have a handle on what I'm saying right now, what their faith is, is absolutely void. It meant nothing at all. If we do not believe and do not understand that we are where they had their vision. See, these having gained approval through their faith, that's subjective faith, did not receive what was promised. They never saw what it was they were living faithfully toward. Why? 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 Because God had provided something better for us today. And that's what we are being, uh, having described for us in, in our lesson for tonight. Because God has provided something better for us that apart from us, apart from us being where it is that God has made, that they had a vision toward, they could not have a perfect faith. They could not be made perfect. By us understanding what it is that we are a part of through faith today is what completes the objective of Abraham's faith. So the word perfect there means made complete? Made complete. Yep. Completed and realized. <clears throat> now look at uh, verse 27 of that same chapter. That's all in one, one word there. Yeah. And it means to be made mature, yeah. literally. But Okay, now verse 27 of that same chapter. Uh, chapter, um, what was it, 11? 11. Uh, let me leave, read verse 27. So through faith, or by his faith, 
he left he left Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for I'm after a particular phrase here for he endured as seeing him as for as seeing him as seeing him who is what unseen unseen that means that there is a way to see without seeing amen and we've got to realize that's what the process of faith does it allows us in the capacity of faith to see what can't be seen and so when he's describing the church in chapter 21 i've had people say well you know that's not how i see the church well, folks, that's, a, that's the result of a shriveled-up faith. You see, that's trying to look at the faith, uh, uh, looking at the church through materialism. That's a materialistic view of the church. We have to look at the church through faith. <coughs> faith is the means that God has given to all men <coughs> the capacity. The book of Revelation through chapters 6 through where we are now is written in the style that it's written to enhance our capacity for that faith so that when we come to the objective of that faith in chapters 21 and 22, we have the capacity because we've had our faith enhanced, expanded, to be able to see this as God sees it and as it is presented to us through the eyes of John. Most of what we think God has done, we can see. But we need to realize that what we can't see is what everything that God has done was done for. And don't forget that. I can't repeat it. <laughs> That's the key to understanding the Bible. Okay. Nolan, glad to have you tonight. I saw you slithering in, but I was on a roll. You sure and don't stop me when I'm on a roll. <laughs> sure. Okay. Where are you going to go, Dave? I don't have any idea. <laughs> I haven't got to the notes yet, but we're going to go there right now. We're in the top of the notes. <clears throat> We've been talking about that uh, the door of the Gentiles, the, the door of faith has been opened to the Gentiles. Uh, we're talking about we're justified by faith. It is the key. Faith is the key. Faith is the key. Through faith, we have objective faith. We have, our, we have subjective faith. Our faith must be ha- enhanced. Everything that's built in the world today is built on the idea of faith. Notice every television program you ever listen to, is there ever a commercial? Have you ever saw or have seen a commercial on television, even on a football game? Did you ever see a commercial? What are they doing? They are, they are appealing to your capacity of faith to hear what they are telling you about something that you cannot see but you will become so enthralled with how they explain it that you will go out and buy what you can see. That's moved by faith. 
That's the capacity for faith. Everything that is sold today initiates on the basis of the human capacity for faith. You never see a cow doing that to another cow. You never see a dog doing that to another dog. You never see another worm doing that to another worm. Only man has the capacity for faith. And mommies and daddies need to enhance that capacity for faith. That is, believing based on evidence things that they cannot see because of who is saying it. And in this case, we know God is, t- uh, God is giving us the information. He is revealing to us his view of the church. And let me make it clear that your view had better be in alignment with his. Now, let's go to verse 1. That's my summary. No one. <clears throat> so the one who spoke with me in verse 1, with that basis made... He had a golden measuring rod. Now, we've had a measuring rod before. In chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 1, there was a reed that was used in old Jerusalem prior to its destruction. Now, you see, we have all of that symbolic language pointing to what was going to happen in chapter 20 with the fall of the great harlot, the fall of Babylon, which is the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. And now we know historically that that took place in 70 AD. And so all of that symbolic language has been confirmed. Thus to give you a basis so that when we get here in verses 15 through 22 and through this whole chapter, of course, we are seeing what it is that how God sees what he has done, what was the object of his creation to begin with. We must be a part of it. We can be a part of it. And when we are a part of it, this is what we are a part of. Now, this time, this rod was to measure the city. The old reed that was used in just old Jerusalem before its destruction This angel has a golden reed to measure New Jerusalem, not for the purpose of destroying it, but to show its preciousness to God. So we look at the measuring rod. We didn't know what it was. But however it was, it was God giving us a picture that he is measuring now this new city that has come down from heaven, out of heaven, not to be destroyed, but to show its preciousness to God and that unlike old covenant Jerusalem, it measures up to all of God's expectations and by a perfect standard. And when we realize that this is what we can be a part of, without seeing it with our physical eyes, but seeing it through the eyes of faith, that's what will change the world and bring about the victory that overcomes the world. So this measuring rod to measure the city, we have three things here. We're going to have the city, we're going to have the gates, and we're going to have the walls. Three things. Verse 16. Now the city, he goes back to the first thing he mentions. 
He's going to measure the city. The city is laid out for a square, as a square. <clears throat> a square in every direction. And its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod. And he measured it with the rod. What kind of a rod? A golden rod. Perfect standard. <clears throat> and he found that it was almost two and a half blocks long. Yeah. Yeah. If that's how you read it, you're reading it the way you want to read it. That's, but that's not the way it reads. The rod was measuring, there's the measuring rod here, the golden rod, God's perfect standard, it was 1,500 miles. Now that's, that's a translation from the Greek, and that's how it's done, and that's probably pretty accurate. His length and his width and his height are equal. Now in verse number 16 in the notes, I have this written. New Jerusalem is symbolized by a cube. As, as was the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Now that, that's really a lot of conversation, but we're just going to have to let that rest for now. <clears throat> a furlong is one-eighth of a mile. <clears throat> in the Greek is furlong. That's equal to 1,500 to 1,600 miles on a side. That's one city all the way from Dallas, Texas to Los Angeles, California. One city. And now that's a traffic jam. And that high as well. And that high as well. And that's the part that makes it beyond belief. Oh, you got to have faith. <laughs> too big for Palestine. It's too big. Well. <clears throat> David, is, it, is, it, uh, is this vision, is this, is, is this vision that he's telling him, uh, once again, possibly something spoken and written that we could understand or that the people even then would relate to that size, that overwhelming size. I think they could. But it would, because, see, we've had, we've had our mind, our capacity for faith stretched all the way through this book, haven't we? Yeah. We've really had to stretch. We've resisted some of it. Some of it we may have not have right. But the objective is, the reason God, one reason that God has done that, is to stretch our capacity. It's very difficult for some people, but God has given us the capability of having our faith stretched and expanded to comprehend this. And folks, until we have this picture of faith, what is it you're converting people to? A building with four walls with a broken down roof? Now. <clears throat> well, I think we're often conditioned to, uh, to look at what's before us and not always look at the prize. Yeah. You know, conditioned to do that. We're, yeah. So we stay at it better. I think... to see the church as God sees it. And it can only be described as only God can describe it. 
If you were to describe the church today, you would describe it by what you can see. And if you describe it by what you can see, you're describing something that isn't going to make it. Because it says, what, what was it in 2 Corinthians 4.18? What you can see is temporal. And we're not a part of that which is temporal. We're a part of that which represents the resurrected life. Folks, it's an important concept, I think. So, 1,500 miles as length and as width and as height are equal. Let's go to verse 17. <clears throat> and he measured his wall. So, He's given us the city. Now he's given us outside and outside and an ex, external view of this city that came down out of heaven, the New Jerusalem, of which we are and can be a part of today. <clears throat> now he's measuring his wall. Don't like walls? Well, you got a problem there because the church, the New Jerusalem, the Bride of Christ, has a wall. And it is 72 yards. Now, in the New American Standard, they've taken the Greek word and put it into English uh, vernacular, which is fine with me. It just saves us that hassle, and I think they're accurate. That's about a, a wall that's about 216 feet high. That's verse 17, notes. So nobody's going to be in this city who doesn't belong in it. You can't crawl in or you can't jump over this wall. And I think that's the impression here that he's wanting to make. We have a wall that's 216 feet high. <clears throat> he's just telling us that these are human measurements, but he says they're all also angelic measurements. Some would say, oh, those are spiritual measurements. Don't use that term. That means absolutely nothing. As somebody said tonight, one of you guys, that's just hot air. <clears throat> Spiritual is an adjective, and it's describing, it's describing the breath effect of something. Faith is the assurance. Spiritual is not projected. It's not a future thing. Faith is a capacity upon which we build our lives as, as Abraham but never realized this objective until you and I came along 2,000 years ago. Well, what's <clears> fascinating about that particular part of this verse is the part that says, and, and that also, or, and also. Also, that's right. In the same way that they're equal. Equal. Human and angelic. You see that? They're equal. Their measurements are equal. That's, that's fascinating. It's fascinating, and it's also a key to other parts of the book of Revelation. <clears throat> In that case, it's spelled out. Verse 18, folks, we've got to keep moving. The material of the wall was old, second-hand, concrete, broken-up rocks. God always chose the cheap way. The cheapest way possible. It's like when you have a, a fundraising 
or a food raiser for a poor family, we always go to the closet and find the things that the dates have all expired. Oh, wow, we'll give that away. We couldn't use it anyhow. That's not how God built his city. Remember, he's talking about a city that came down out of heaven, which represents everything that's in heaven. <clears throat> and the material of this wall was jasper. And the city, the city was pure gold. Gold like pure glass. Now, it doesn't mean the city was pure glass or gold. John is symbolizing its impressiveness. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. <clears throat> I hate to get... We, we have to finish this today. We have to stay on course. So we have to move right along. <clears throat> but notice in verse 21, if you think the church, the ecclesia, is just an afterthought of God, to him be the glory. Where? In the church. The recognition to him in the church and in Christ Jesus because they're equal to each other. To all generations, forever and ever. ever. That takes it out of the boundary of the two points and what goes on between two points that is used and defined, defining the word ionos or forever. Now it goes beyond. It is permanent. That's, that's the glory that we need to see as we come down through chapter 21 and 22. That this is the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. This is to him be all the glory behind this in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations and again, no distinction is made between the saints on this side of eternity and those that have crossed over to the other side. That verse puts us all in the same arena. We are in fellowship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are in fellowship with Moses, Hezekiah, and Daniel. And we are in fellowship with the apostles and with all the twelve tribes of Israel, we are in the same place that they all are. We are surrounded by them all, and I don't know how I can make your spine tingle if that doesn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just think about it. See, that's, that's the capacity for faith that we have. If we could see it, it wouldn't be permanent. The unseen things are temporal. I mean, are eternal. <clears throat> Permanent, in other words. So in verse 17, so he measured his wall, verse 18, the material of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold. Folks, be impressed by how God describes this city which represents the, the bride of Jesus Christ. And as I said before, if you don't see the church as God sees it, you're the one that has the problem. Because you're trying to see it through materialism, 
through spiritualism rather than through faith. What God has said about things that you cannot see and are therefore eternal. And I use that word eternal in the English sense. <clears throat> Verse 19. Now he talks about the foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. And he lists them. The first foundation stone was Jasper. Then he had the second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, the sixth, Sardius, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, and the twelfth. He missed them. Twelve of the most precious stones known to man are sufficient to describe the walls of the New Jerusalem. Where else would you go? How else could you possibly uh, possibly describe it? He's using the most precious stones we have that we know about, that we that we culture, that we put in and we find them and make jewelry out of them because of their beauty, that we place in certain parts of our building, that we put in our watches. The most precious stones known to man, and yet they are not sufficient to describe the walls of the new Jerusalem. That's just the best you can do in human language. Verse 21. And the twelve gates. Now remember back in verse 1, or verse 15, he's going to measure the rod, the city, the gates, and the wall. We've looked at the rod. I mean, we've looked at the city. We've looked at the gates. Now we look, I mean, let me start over again. Uh, we've looked at the uh, city, and uh, we've looked at the wall, and now we look at the gates. Verse 21. <clears throat> and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. By the way, the old city of Jerusalem, the state of Israel, was 70 by 150 miles. How are you going to put a new Jerusalem that's 15 to 1600 miles into the terrain of 50 by 150 miles? It isn't going to cut it. Because he's not talking about a physical city here. He's talking about a city that is established in faith. He is showing a reality only to be understood in faith. Only by how God describes what it is that we cannot see, but have confidence in what it is God has said about it. See, faith is not delusional. Faith is based on God's report. If you live in this city through faith, you live in this city through faith 24 hours a day. We must see the church as God sees it. The 12 gates in verse 21 are 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. Now the gates, you know, the city we have is about 216 feet high. 
At each gate of this wall is a giant pearl. Now the gates are probably higher than five feet. And each one is made out of one single pearl. The question that you might be interested in asking is, how big must the oyster be that makes such a pearl? And my comment down in the notes is, forget the oyster. <laughs> the point is, the preciousness of God's city. The preciousness of God's city. The preciousness of God's city. Why isn't this our thrust in evangelism to develop our subjects' faith to where they have the capacity to wrap that faith around this picture? And then how could you possibly keep them from entering it? Are you there? And there's just one street. That street signifies there's activity going on. Why else would you have a street? You've got stuff going on. Well, I just don't want to be bored going to heaven. Folks, you haven't got a clue about working for God. I don't know what we're going to be doing. But I know that nobody enjoys living if they don't work. With a reason. And you like to play. The recreation is just as divine as work unless it takes the place of work. And some people don't do that. And they need to do that too. Because God has given us the capacity to be recreated. You need quiet time. You need times where you're doing something that isn't what you normally do. That expands your thinking, expands your life thought process. Now, <clears throat> that's so much for the exterior of this city. The city, the gates, and the wall, measured by a golden law and meets and measures up to God's expectations. Now, in verse 22, and we're going to close with this verse tonight, we've got a verse or two to read. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, first of all. And that is, I see, I saw in verse 22 of our text, I saw no temple in this city. Oh, how does that differ from the old Jerusalem? Completely. Completely. So where is the old Jerusalem? When he gets to here, it's got to be gone because the temple is gone. And they want to go build, the Mormons want to go build a temple in Jerusalem? And the Baptists want to build a temple in Jerusalem? And most other religion, uh, so-called Christian religions want to have a temple built in Jerusalem? But in this city that came down out of heaven and is here for us today, through faith, there is no temple. A temple would be redundant. Why did you have it? Because the city itself is the abode of God. Is, that's right. The city itself is the abode of God, and the Lamb 
are his temple. Look at First Peter with me yeah. in chapter 2. We'll, we'll read two verses and we'll close. <clears throat> we're moving right along to these. Uh, we've got a, a short lesson next week, but I'm sure that something will evolve into that lesson. Uh, folks, I think that we're in one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible, one of the most dynamic portions of the Bible, one of the most needed subjects of the Bible, because it is the object of our faith. And I don't know where your faith is or what kind of a faith you've got, but folks, if it's not in this picture, I would question the validity of it. First Peter 2, 3. <clears throat> if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord and coming to him, in verse 4, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones. Now, if you look at a building that's built of stone, and uh, some of the, all of you guys that are here tonight uh, have lived in a rock house. <laughs> Every stone in that house is either being supported or supporting another stone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I hope you get the point. Because yeah. you corporately are living stones. That means that each one of us are needed to be supported and in the same time, we are supporting others. Isn't that what stones do? What else is their object? They're protective from outside because of how they're stacked. Being supported and supporting. We lose that vision of the church and we, we narrow it down to, well, I like this guy. I'm going to work with him. But what about some of the folks that may be not so fortunate as to know you in the same way that you know somebody else? You've got to get over this, the clannishness. So you as living stones are being built, are being built, are the process, and are about to be built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. I don't think that's the word metal there. I'm just added that. Because it's in, the, it's in the process here. Now, when we get to Revelation 21, it's there. It's completed. We are a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Now, um, let's, go to, let's go to verse 9. <clears throat> but you, oops, there we go. But you are a chosen, uh, you are a chosen race. See, now we, actually it's not race, it should be people. You are a chosen people. There is no such thing as a race. <clears throat> but this is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world is because of where we are. We are in the new Jerusalem. Folks, we are having that described to us right now. That had better be what we know we are a part of. And that if we are there, we become a chosen people because of where we are. We are a royal priesthood because we're, we have Jesus Christ as our high priest. We are a holy nation as well as a city because it incorporates everybody universally who comes into that city and a people for God's own possession. Well, now, that's the state of being. Notice the purpose. See, that's, that's the position that we have with God when we are in this city. 
but the reason for or the purpose of that position is so that you may proclaim. Never forget the purpose when there is a position. The two P's. Position brings us to the purpose so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light expressed by what we are reading in chapter 21. Let's go to one more verse and we close. Ephesians chapter 2. I know we're going to couple of, couple of minutes of overtime tonight, but we need to just keep moving on. <clears throat> we have four more lessons planned, and uh, there could be that, uh, you know, we might have an extra one, but we're planning to be done by the end of the year, ahead of the end of the year. So then he says, <clears throat> you are no longer, no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Jesus himself being the, himself being the corner, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in spirit. If that doesn't say, I don't know where you can find it. Folks, we are looking in chapter 21 at the most glorious thing that God has brought down for, uh, brought out of heaven to earth, and that's the bride of Christ, his church, the new Jerusalem it is a city that is laid out, that it meets all of the standards of God with a perfect standard to be used. It has a wall that separates it from everybody else, but it's open with 12 gates for anyone, and when you come through, you are coming through the pearly gates. That's not into heaven. That's into what you can come into by choice now. And then another thing is in Ephesians, <clears throat> he is, again, he is making no distinction between the saints on this side of eternity and those that have crossed over to the other side. No distinction is made. We started with that premise. We are God's household. We are God's household in his city as described with a wall precious wall and with 12 gates. We are a part of that if we are in Christ, God's habitat. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, what a glorious, glorious text. There's nothing we can add to it but be committed to expanding our faith to comprehend it. In Jesus' name, amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.